0: Special episode of the Trina Cracks podcast. This is our very first Patreon only episode. As most of you probably know, I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co host, Chris. Chris, little buddy, we all need to know how are you doing? I say Chris? Oh, that's right. Please forgive me, everybody. Chris is unfortunately under the weather and unable to record tonight he has a little bit of uh, a sore throat and some nasal congestion so he's not really feeling up to it and um, we do certainly wish him well and more importantly we need him here tomorrow night to record our one year anniversary extravaganza So, with all that said, it's just going to be me tonight, guys. I am flying solo, and let's think of this as more of an intimate setting, right? Because I think we have four or five patrons, plus myself. So, it's almost like a small gathering around a bar, okay? And uh, at that point, I'll probably throw in some bar sound effects to uh, class things up a bit. But I am not alone as I record tonight's episode. My Bernice Mountain Dog, Duke! is in the room with me so I am really hoping that nothing disturbs him or pisses him off where he's going to start barking and ruin the recording because he is about 115 pounds and I'm having trouble moving him out of the room so he will be joining us as well tonight and I hope that he likes tonight's topic. I was looking far and wide for a A weird topic that uh, I could cover by myself. Something that wasn't too gory, something that wasn't too frightening, but something that was more of an unsolved mystery. I really like doing those. And I found this one. This one comes from the early 70s, believe it or not. And, you know, there's not much info on it. I've seen a couple of YouTube videos on it. And if you search it on YouTube, you will find some other um, vlog hosts that had done episodes on it. But it's pretty much all the same information. And that's just due to the fact that there's not much information on it. Because there is a large majority of people that think, what am I about to tell you is a hoax. And I'm not going to say what I think just yet. I'll leave that to the end because I want you guys to form your own conclusions. Anyway, tonight we are talking about the case of Lost Boy Larry. Now, we're going to go back in time. Let's take the T-tops off, hop in the back of my Camaro, and let's head back to the early 1970s. August 7th, 1973 to be exact. And this unsolved mystery comes to us from the Red Rock Canyon area of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, believe it or not, I've actually been to Red Rock Canyon and uh, it's not really my type of place. It's arid, it's dry. It's hot, all sorts of things that make me uncomfortable and irritable. But for the sake of this case, and for the sake of providing some entertainment, I have to venture back to New Mexico to unravel this mystery. So as I said, this is the case of lost boy Larry. So you would think, all right, this is a child missing person case, but this is a little more odd because there is no actual physical evidence regarding Larry. This is all kind of going off of one simple thing. And that simple thing was a CB radio transmission. During the 70s and even parts of the 80s, these were immensely popular cars. Truckers still use them today. So it's like, you know, picking up shit on a police scanner and whatnot. And you're able to share information basically through these uh, frequencies without having to dial numbers or whatnot. You know, you put your uh, breaker breaker out there and, uh, you know, see if anybody responds to you. And that CB radio is pretty much the focal point of this story. As I said, a lot of, you know, people who had CB radios, they just listen and listen to the airwaves to see what kind of uh, shit they could pick up. And apparently on this day, and a lot of people have reported to have heard the same thing, and some even interacted with them from basically the West Coast out to some parts of the East Coast, all the way up to fucking Canada. And they all claimed to have picked up the transmission of a small seven-year-old boy named Larry, claiming to have been in a car accident with his dad. Larry had identified this vehicle as a red and white pickup truck. And apparently he said that the truck overturned and he went down an embankment. So as the story goes, people were tuning into their CB radios and they hear this little boy's voice come across. And he was obviously in distress, asking for help. So now you got to remember, the communication is coming from a supposed quote-unquote seven-year-old boy. And other CB radio operators out there were looking to get information so they can at least get a location and and, and try to offer some sort of help. But the thing is that Larry's information kept changing. Now, take this all with a grain of salt. So let's say this is real. A seven-year-old boy in an overturned vehicle would be in dire need and dire stress so I have a six-year-old and I can imagine if she was in this type of state of despair that getting information out of her might be quite difficult you know would be able to identify her name and whatnot but obviously wouldn't be able to identify the location especially if they were just driving through en route to another location but the more disturbing fact is that Larry claimed that his father had died in this car accident as he's overturned in this truck But with that said, they continue to question him, trying to get more information out of him. And then later on, Larry says, no, his father's alive. So now, I mean, you got to start to question what the hell is really going on here. But if you get a call from someone in distress, especially a child, your hands are tied. You have to go look and you have to at least attempt to provide assistance. Whether you think it's a hoax or not, you have to do your due diligence. Because how could you live with yourself if you... Thought this to be a hoax and decided not to go out and search for this child, and it ended up being reality. I mean, that would be an absolutely devastating pill to swallow. So let's hop back into the transmissions and see what exactly Larry had to say. And let's see if we could break this down a little bit and see if this is real or bullshit, because I continually go back and forth on it. There are some components to it where I say, shit, this might be legit. And then some other shit that I'm like, there's no fucking way. This this is a bullshit hoax. Apparently, as I said, the truck was overturned and, you know, Larry's getting in touch with some CB operators. And in turn, they're parlaying this information to the police and search personnel. So they're asking Larry his name. He tells him it's Larry. He apparently can't remember his last name, which is odd. All right. That's that's the first odd thing. But as we said, it was a seven year old. And I can imagine him being panicked and not being able to answer the questions immediately. But you would imagine eventually that he would be able to tell them his last name. But he never does. So then Larry goes on to say that he believes that his dad suffered a heart attack, which in turn caused this crash. Larry said that he was without food and water, the truck was overturned, and he was pinned inside. Now, the main thing here, as we spoke of before, he said he has no idea of his location. So this made it all the more difficult for search and rescue to track him down because, you know, this is the 70s. There's no GPS in every car, every phone on a CB. There's nothing. So they have to go solely off of this kid, quote unquote, kid's word. Now, the problem with taking this kid's word is the inconsistencies of his story. Now, let's look at it from a standpoint as if this really happened. Right. Right. If his dad's laying dead next to him the car is overturned, he's overheating, he's dehydrated, he's hungry, he's scared, you're not going to be able to parlay that information. We talked about that. But the inconsistencies that we have so far is that, you know, he said that his dad was dead in one transmission, then that his dad was alive in the next. There was one report that said that he was trapped inside the truck, as we stated, and then another one comes out where he says that he was outside of the truck. So these people don't know what to believe. So you can imagine right now they're probably suspect. And and furthermore, another issue that they were having, all the CB operators, is that Larry kept switching the channels. So he'd be on one channel, switch it, go to another channel, switch it. So there was no consistency as to who he was talking to, right? Be talking to one person, one second, and another, the next. We talked about this in the beginning that, The transmission went far and wide. There were points where it went out to Wyoming, California, even some spots on the East Coast, okay, and as far up as Canada. Now, I understand CB radios can have a large range of of coverage, but, I mean, we're talking from New Mexico to Canada? That seems a bit suspicious to me, especially if it's coming from an overturned vehicle, because you would need a massive antenna, you would think, right, to, to... have that powerful of a transmission. So this went on for about, believe it or not, five days. Transmissions coming in, they're going out, and the battery seems to be getting weaker. Now that all makes sense, right? That's something that you could see happening, obviously, as time goes on. But Larry did say he was without water. So you could imagine at that point, five days in a desert, I don't think he would have made it. Now here comes the weird shit. On August 12th, So this is day five now, as we said, it happened on August 7th. This is day five. This is August 12th. An army sergeant located in the area said that he was able to speak with Larry for about three hours, but was unable to get any information out of Larry about where he was, not even his last name. So, I mean, you're on the phone and you're talking to this kid for three hours. It's the fifth day. You would imagine that this kid would have calmed down at some point and been able to give this army sergeant his last name. Now we're getting into the gray area here, and the more suspicious I start to become when reading on this, because how at this point are you just not giving any information? So Larry continues to talk to this army sergeant, and he reports that he does indeed see the search and rescue lights and the helicopters, because they were deployed to look for this kid in Red Rock Canyon. So if this is indeed a hoax, it has now become an expensive hoax, and a dangerous hoax, where you're putting people's lives at risk. Anytime you get no a helicopter, your life is at risk. So he claims that he could see these lights, which means he, they're in the general vicinity. And they searched far and wide, but they were never able to find any trace of this red and white pickup truck, which is very odd. Right? So now I will say there is one very bizarre thing that happens. One of the um, helicopters flying over... Claims that they had talked to a little boy in distress, but this time he called himself David. Now we have different names, different scenarios. With all that stated and with all that information at the hands of Search and Rescue, on day six, which would be August 13th, they decided to call off the search. It's hard to say, but I would think at this point, rightfully so. There were just too many inconsistencies and furthermore, just no evidence found. So now let's go into what people think. There are some that believe this is a hoax and some that believe that this is real. But, and believe it or not, the state police chief was quoted as saying, and I quote here, there was no way to prove the calls for help were a hoax unless authorities found a person responsible. Now, I understand that thinking and I understand that he probably has to cover his ass too with, with dealing with a situation like this because God forbid they did find a child. But other people I told you I would reveal this as we got towards the end. Myself included, believe that this was a hoax. And I will tell you why. I find it very odd that, first off, he wouldn't give his last name. Secondly, there were just too many inconsistencies in the stories. One minute he's out of the truck, next minute he's not. Father's dead, father's alive. So I don't necessarily trust that part of it. But you might be able to chalk it up to seven-year-old fright and confusion, right? But here's the kicker for me. And this sealed the deal that no one has ever come forward claiming a missing child or a missing husband. There has been no missing child reported named Larry, or none in that area for that time period that would even match this story. To make matters even weirder with this case, there started to become copycats out on their CBs. People now adding to the confusion here and pretending to be Larry and mocking him saying you're like weird shit like you're gonna fucking die larry so you have that very odd psychological piece of this whole thing which i didn't really like joking or not and so i'm gonna say due to the fact that there was no concrete evidence found no missing child reported and the fact that this frequency was picked up all the ways from new mexico to canada tells me that there is no possible way this could have been coming from an overturned vehicle so, I'm going out on a limb and saying that this is a 100% hoax. Now, for all of you that are listening, please share your thoughts with me. Um, you can either write Chris on Facebook, or you can write me on Instagram and tell me what you think. I mean, nonetheless, it is still a bit creepy, right? What kind of whack job would be out there pretending to be a hurt child alone in the desert with a, a dead father lying next to him? I mean, what kind of joy does that give you? Huh? Who knows, but I guess that's why we have this podcast, because we're all interested in this type of shit. So that's it, guys. That is the case of Lost Boy Larry. I hope you enjoyed it. It's always fucking difficult being here by myself and doing this, but I am a little bit long-winded, as you can hear, so it wasn't too terrible. But Chris will be back with me for our one-year anniversary episode and for all other future Patreon episodes. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we will see you later on in the week for our one-year anniversary extravaganza. And I just want to let you guys know that I truly, honestly do appreciate all the support that you guys give to this show. really means a lot to me, and uh, I'm glad that you like what you hear so far. And I will continue to try to put out the best quality show (laughs) that i can and uh furthermore i'd like to thank duke for being quiet throughout the episode so with all that said guys i wish you the fondest oh farewells